through to Madrid to the Champions League final. Leicester's very own fantastic Mr. Fox. And welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 18 of season one here, and we're back in and amongst it. I'm your host, El Gajo, and Reese and Ethan are here. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good. How are, how you? are you? I'm doing swimmingly because we're all home for the holidays, which is a good feeling. Um, I, of course, was later than everyone else, which, you know, take it or leave it, I guess. But... Yeah, we're back here to discuss some football. So, gentlemen, are we ready? Indeed. Okay. Let's get started with the Champions League draw that just happened this past, well, yesterday. Um, so, yeah, we'll just go in the order that they happened, and uh, we'll talk about the ones that we feel like talking about. So, first of all, Dortmund have drawn PSG, uh, which is the, the Thomas Tuchel derby, as it were. Um, <laughs> and then... The second draw was a big one, Real Madrid getting Man City. So City have finally not gotten an easy draw for the first time in about five years. Uh, so, yeah, what are what do you guys think about this tie? Uh, Real Madrid are, I mean, they're strange because like recently, well, I don't really know how they're doing in the league, but well, I, I know they were first, but I'm not totally sure oh, if that's okay. still the case. Well, I know. Like last season, they had some they had some issues, and um, but like Champions League, there's just like they're a different animal in Champions League, you know. So mm-hmm. who knows? Okay, I kind of I kind of think Man City will still take it away in this one, but uh, I mean Madrid are very capable. They're second in La Liga, but they're only behind Barcelona on goal difference. So ah, and yeah. Barca have lost three games, and Real Madrid have only lost one. So yeah, yeah I think it'll. It'll, it'll definitely be like the hardest for Man City. I still think they'll pull through, but Real Madrid will definitely give them a run for their money. The reality is for City, I think if they're going to win this competition, they're going to have to play the big sides eventually. So mm-hmm. I guess the sooner they they do it, the better. Um, if they make it through, they just better hope that they don't draw an English team in the in the quarters because they're going to lose if they do. <laughs> so yeah, because um, obviously that happened the last two years. And, didn't go particularly well for them. So, and coincidentally, the team that beat them ended up being losing finalists both times. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I just figured that out on my own. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So moving on to, I guess there's always one of these ties where it's like two teams that, like you know, probably don't have a chance of winning the competition. Um, and this is Atalanta and Valencia. Atalanta um, scraping by in their group. They were bottom of the group at the start of match day six and won convincingly against Shakhtar uh, to move into second. So uh, good work from them. And Valencia, of course, uh, they are, mm, I mean, I guess you could call them Champions League mainstays, but so far in the league this season, not having too great of a time. They're in eighth in the Liga as it stands. So yeah, I don't know about this one. Um, Atletico Madrid have drawn Liverpool. This is another one of the big fixtures. It's a bit of a contrast of styles, I think. Obviously, Liverpool are very fast-paced 
like quick build up team and Atletico are a very defensively organized team. So, uh, do you guys say? I mean, do you guys see Liverpool coming through this easily, or do you think Atletico could get them give them a challenge? Um, I still well, I think it's somewhere in between. Like, I don't think it's gonna be easy, but I also don't think they're gonna be like particularly like feeling the the pressure in this one. I I think Liverpool will be convincing enough that it's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, like the, it won't be routine, but they'll still come away relatively yeah. unscathed. Yeah. Cause Liverpool have been like cakewalking through the premier league and all the other competitions. And, um, I think Atletico or Atletico are like capable of doing the impossible. So, yeah. And I think Liverpool are in a position now where they can afford to, uh, rest players in the league like in and around this period and crucially for them in the period during this time every team that they're scheduled to play is currently in the bottom half in the Premier League so oh, wow. they they could very easily rest players for the Premier League and prioritize this tie and I think yeah they probably will come away um, victorious but I would say don't count Atletico Madrid out completely they obviously do have pedigree in the competition and uh, a manager who's been very experienced and has been with the club for a long time. So definitely not a walk in the park for Liverpool, for sure. Now, moving on to Chelsea versus Bayern. Um, Bayern have a great time in London, it seems. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> running out 7-2 winners against Spurs, 5-1 against Arsenal a couple years back. Um, well, I guess... Oh, and they beat Dortmund in, uh, at Wembley in the final as well. Um, last time they won the Champions League. So it's a city that Bayern likes to visit. And I just think Chelsea have looked good at times this season, but honestly, they're probably going to be exploited by a Bayern team yeah. who have looked very, very convincing going forward. I mean, when you compare, like, they both have good attacks. I would still say Bayern's attack is better, but defensive wasn't even even really compare like Chelsea are still very experienced defensively and uh, they've had troubles this season um, not getting scored on and Bayern are just I mean that they they spent a lot of money on the on the defense and they didn't they didn't even really need to so yeah um they well Bayern still don't even have a permanent manager um Hans Dieter Flick is still in charge in interim charge and um I mean I, I think it's safe to say they haven't had too, too many struggles. Obviously, the Bundesliga is a bit of a strange place this season, what with Bayern um, being in fifth at the time of recording and uh, six points off top, which is unusual for them, to say the least. But I think they were having that problem before Kovac was sacked. So I guess a lot of it's going to depend on you know who their new manager is, I think. Uh, and if Chelsea are still in and around things. Uh, by the time this tie comes around. So could be one to watch for sure. Ethan, do you have any uh, final thoughts on this one? Um, I'd, uh, unlike the other matches we've talked about so far, I think Bayern will comfortably take care of Chelsea. Because like, Chelsea, they've been in and out in the league. Like They'll have a really good performance, and then they'll have a really bad one. Like the Bournemouth game. Um, so I think, I think Bayern will have a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we've got one that will almost certainly be a cakewalk. Uh, Olympic Lyon coming up against Juve. And I think there's really only one winner in this tie. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, anything can happen. But 
I think it's safe to say most people will be betting on Juve, and rightfully so. Then we come to Spurs, uh, who have drawn RB Leipzig, who it's worth mentioning are currently top of the Bundesliga. Um, and they will still be top, despite the fact that currently they're losing to Dortmund. Um, even with that loss, they will still be top of the table. Uh, they are very in form, and they do have a very good young squad coming up. And this is particularly interesting for me because it's the manager I wanted versus the manager I got uh, for Spurs. <laughs> so it's Julian Nagelsmann versus Jose Mourinho. And I think it'll be telling to see you know, who comes out of this tactically superior. I think the one thing that Spurs have going into this that Leipzig do not is Champions League experience. Um, obviously last season with the run to the final and the previous two seasons as well being in the competition, I think are good experience or is good experience for Spurs that Leipzig just don't have. And I think that might end up being the, uh, the final or sort of what tips the balance in Spurs' favor. Do you guys see, um, do you, am I overstepping my boundaries? Am I being a little too optimistic or no? I don't really personally, I don't know how to call this one. Cause like, cause what you just mentioned like I would say that Leipzig are kind of a wild card in in the fact that they are in form. They're also really young, but like you said, they are inexperienced in the Champions League. But I think because of that, they don't have anything to lose. You know? Yeah, sort of the Ajax effect. Yeah. So like I think in that sense, they could be they could be really tough. To, but then at, at the same time, it's like it's it's hard to it's hard to say that Leipzig are going to win just because of the fact that Spurs are I mean they're with with Mourinho they're now um in form and they also were uh finalists last year and yeah I think I I think the safe bet would be to say y'all will win but I it's tough to call yeah I agree I think like you say Leipzig are kind of an unknown quantity at this point and it's definitely not um past their ability to win this tie for sure um, one thing Spurs being, um, uh, runners up, obviously all runners up in the round of 16 will play their home leg first, which I actually somewhat like better because if you can keep a clean sheet at home, you essentially only have to score one or two in the away leg and you're safe. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually kind of like that, that, that is how we had all of our ties, um, in in the last Champions League, which proved to great effect, obviously, in, in the Man City and Ajax ties. Dortmund, not so much. We won that tie in the first leg. But, um, yeah, so I actually appreciate having the away leg second, and I think that is something that we can use to our benefit for sure, especially with Mourinho being as defensively organized um, as he is, and we already are see- starting to see flashes of that with the Spurs team. And surely after two more months, Mourinho will have fully integrated his defensive nous. So uh, the final tie of the round, which is a couple more big boys, Napoli versus Barcelona. Um, and I think Barcelona probably will be relatively comfortable victors here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Napoli, obviously they do have players that are good and they do have solid uh, a solid defense, but they just sacked their manager. And um, a manager, Gennaro Gattuso, who I am very unconvinced in his abilities, has been uh, appointed as his replacement. I think he 
I mean, he failed to do a lot with a talented Milan squad, and I think he just doesn't fit the bill of a high pedigree manager that Napoli wants. So I actually think it's the wrong appointment from Napoli, and I think it could prove uh, detrimental to them in the league and the Champions League. So, yeah. Moving on, I guess. Alrighty, so yeah. So now we're going to take a look at uh, just the English teams and the uh, round of 32 in the Europa League. So Wolves have drawn Espanyol. Um, to, I mean, I, I think Wolves. I think Wolves can win. Obviously, I don't really know a whole lot about Espanyol, but uh, I, I guess where where are they in the league? I don't know. I was just about to look at that. Let's see. Um, currently, they are bottom of La Liga. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think Wolves uh, will come away with it pretty easily. But I mean, you never know. It is. It is. Uh, I, I don't think it's their first time in European competition. Wolves? Yeah. Uh, it is since they've been, like, back. They haven't been in it in a long time. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time, so you never know. But, yeah, I think I think Wolves will come away with this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually... It, this might actually be their first... I know it's their first time in the Europa League. So, Well, I guess that means it definitely is their first time in Europe. At least since the, all the rebranding, because I don't think they definitely have not been to the Champions League. So, um, yeah, no, I think this is their first time. So, oh. inexperience. I don't know about Espanol either, though. And of course, being bottom of La Liga doesn't exactly bode well for them. So, I think Wolves are probably a safe bet, and they've been playing extremely well this season. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, Arsenal, we've drawn Olympiacos, which they they did give Spurs some trouble. Uh, yeah, I was That's, impressed by them, to be fair. Yeah, um, and we obviously have been pretty out of form, but, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we'll hopefully have our manager in by then, which I'll probably talk about in a little bit mm-hmm. once we get to the in-depth review. But, um, yeah, also, last time we played them, I think it was Giroud's first European hat-trick or something. I saw that on Twitter. Oh, nice. Just a random fact, but, uh, yeah, I think... I don't know. I think by by the time this happens, we will hopefully have turned things around at least a little a little bit. But um, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of this is going to come down to that unknown, obviously for us. In well, first of all, who is going to be manager, and second of all, you know how how they do in the next in the coming months um, after they come in. We're we're I guess we're operating under the assumption that it's Arteta. I mean, I yeah, well. Get to that later, obviously, as you mentioned. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think Olympiacos—they are better than people give them credit for. I think, but realistically, Arsenal should be winning this tie, and I think they will. I think maybe it won't be as comfortable as as some Arsenal fans are hoping for, but I think they will get through. Um, Olympiacos are sort of one of those teams that are almost always in the Champions League, and they almost always drop down to the Europa League. Uh, so I don't know if that means anything, but. <laughs> it's just a random little tidbit, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then Manchester, Manchester United uh, drew Club Bruges. And uh, yeah, Manchester United should be winning this, but also uh, they have been very uh, bipolar in the league. Like, I, yeah, they're just all over the place. They are, and Bruges, I think, are a club that have been doing relatively well in, in the Europa League so far. I'm looking, actually, to see what group they were in. 
Um, and I don't see them anywhere. Oh, of course, they came from the Champions League. That's why. Um, I forgot about that. They were in uh, Real Madrid's group, I believe. And they finished third. Yeah, they were. Um, so they didn't win any games, but they did have PSG and Real Madrid in their group. So I don't know. I think United surely will be coming through this. But I also don't know how much Solskjaer is going to prioritize the Europa League. Because realistically, I don't think they can hope to win it. Um, which in that case, you would probably just like to be out as soon as possible and focus yeah. on the league. But then again, it's realistically their only shot of getting to the Champions League this or next for next season. So I don't know. It's it's a bit of an interesting sort of quandary for Man United, but I think they'll come through this tie even if they don't necessarily want to, um, because Bruges are just not up to this up to par. I think. So. Yeah, I think that about wraps up our discussion of the European draws. Obviously, we'll be back to look at them again once the round of 16 um, you know, gets underway. Uh, but for the time being, we're going to leave that there. So let's crack on to some Premier League football. All right. So first we had Liverpool and Wat- uh, versus Watford and uh, Liverpool getting a comfortable 2-0 victory despite the inclusion of VAR multiple times. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Liverpool... But easy to dealt with uh, the bottom league or a bottom table team. Yeah, uh, Salah Salah's been kind of quiet recently. I don't I don't even know if that's true, but it feels like he has been, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of like his like his like announcement. Like, I'm I'm still here, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that when we think of Salah, we think of his like first breakout season. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot. So yeah, he I mean he still produces, but like definitely not. Like how he was this first season. Well, Mane has also just has just like taken taken the uh, the spotlight in that Liverpool team from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've been getting contributions from the likes of Origi as well. Um, mm-hmm. And their midfielders have started scoring more goals, which all of which um, obviously has taken away from Salah slightly, but definitely helped Liverpool in the long run. Clearly, um, and yeah. Um, Watford actually in this game didn't play horribly. I think against any other team, Watford would be looking to get a point from this from this performance. Um, obviously, you know Liverpool's quality in the end of things just outshone, and uh, Salah picked up the two goals. The second one, sort of a strange one, um, Origi with the shanked shot that ended up in a little cheeky back heel question mark. It was like a sort of side heel, I guess. Yeah. Um, and megged whichever Watford defender was unfortunate enough to be sitting in, in that area or standing in that yeah. area. So, um, a quick note on Liverpool, by the way, their youth academy is currently losing four nil to Aston Villa in the in the Carabao Cup um, because, well, the reason for that is because they've departed for Qatar for the Club World Cup, um, and they play Monterey tomorrow. So, this is the time when fixtures are going to start getting congested and things are going to start happening um, with regards to the title. So I think coming out of the Christmas period, we are going to have a pretty clear picture of, of what's going on in the Premier League. So, yeah. Um, and I can't even read my own script and find out that I'm the next person. <laughs> um, Chelsea, the wheels are falling off the bus here um, because... They've lost their fourth game in five in the Premier League, and this time it's against Bournemouth at the bridge as well. So not ideal, certainly, for them. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, this was kind of just a, a stalwart defensive performance from Bournemouth that ended up in a, a very strange goal from Ryan Gosling in the 84th minute. Did you guys get to see this goal, this um, sort of... I did see it. It was really weird. Yeah, so the ball sort of coming over, or the ball sort of gets dinked over, and Ryan Gosling flicks it up behind him, and it goes over Keppa and barely creeps over the line before it's cleared by, I think it was Kurt Zuma. Um, and the referee gives the goal, but then um, goes to VAR because the, the linesman's put his flag up, but then VAR rules that it was onside, so it ended up counting, and, um, you know, Chelsea probably can't have too many complaints about this result because they were simply outworked, I think, in this game by Bournemouth. Where- yeah, they're... Um, they're- attack has kind of felt like they've been kind of like I said uh last last episode that they've kind of been getting carried by their attack and uh, it just wasn't sustainable like their attack just can't keep like scoring so many goals it's just not they they need help yeah and I think another thing is is they the attack seriously struggles to break down well-organized defenses um Obviously, they're they're much more effective in, in areas where they have space to operate. So in the reason they were so effective in that City game is because City's back line pushes so far upfield. Uh, whereas, you know, a team like Bournemouth coming into to this game are, are operating on a low block. And they've got those defensive rows packed in really tightly. And Chelsea, sometimes maybe this is their youth and inexperience showing through, get frustrated and in, in attempting to break that down. So it proves to be challenging for Chelsea. Obviously, their next game is huge, uh, which we'll get onto in the previews, but um, they could be seeing their spot in the top four be jeopardized uh, as soon as next weekend, or this week, upcoming weekend. So, yeah. All right, moving on to um, a somewhat of a strange one. Uh, Leicester playing Norwich and coming away with a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I don't. I'll be honest. This was not one that I would have seen coming at all. Um, yeah. I guess Leicester's run had to end at some point, but yeah, I, just bizarre. Vardy's run is over. Uh, his his scoring streak in in eight games is over. He'll probably feel aggrieved about that because they've awarded this header as a Tim Krul own goal. But I think really it, it was an own goal. Um, yeah. It was going yeah. pretty well wide, I think. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know really. It's it's a bit of a strange one. Obviously, their next game is against City, which is a huge test, and that could be make or break for their. Well, I don't want to say title challenge, but for their maintenance as a top two team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have that much to say about this game, mostly because it was oh, just goodness. so unexpected. <laughs> Raging canines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess let's move on. All right, so moving on to another weird game. Uh, Man United drew with Everton 1-1, just like the last game we talked about. Um, it was a really weird game because only Man United players were able to put the ball. Uh, Lindelof <laughs> uh, scored an own goal, which was unfortunate because it was saved and it came off of him. Yeah, and, it was unlucky. And um, Mason Greenwood, a young prospect, was able to uh, make it level 
around the 70, 77th minute. So, um, controversially, uh, uh, Ferguson brought on Moise Keane only to be subbed off again. Yeah. Or subbed off. Yeah, a lot of uh, um, people were mad about that on Twitter, killing, saying that was killing his confidence. Um, I would understand it if he had, like, an injury, but that was just a straight-up tactical substitution, even though they probably should have brought off one of their other attackers. Yeah, I don't... I mean, from, from what I understood and from what I saw, it was just that he, he wasn't tracking back and he was putting in a bit of a lazy shift. Um, and, and I guess Duncan Ferguson did not particularly like that, so he took him off again in the 80th, 89th minute. So, yeah, I, I guess fair play. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a strange one, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this entire result is strange. Of course, United failing to win again under Solskjaer, and uh, they are such a strange team because, like we keep saying, they, they continue to beat like the top teams and continue to not beat everyone else, which is very strange. So You just wonder, I said this about Emery when it was coming close to his time to go, like, when you continue to let these like poor performances happen, like what is the line before you mm-hmm. before they fire Solskjaer? Like, like I'm just I don't even know. Like, do they need to lose by like five to one of these lower side teams or something? Like, it seems they're just like the board is continuing to allow these um, pretty like mediocre and bad performances happen. Yeah. So their next. Their next four games, I think, are going to be a defining period. So, well, okay, first of all, they have Colchester tomorrow in the FA Cup. Or, sorry, in the uh, Carabao Cup. I think if they lose that, I mean, nobody's going to be too arsed, I don't think. Um, Obviously, it'll be disappointing, but then it starts getting meaty a little bit because in the Christmas period, they've got Watford, um, Newcastle on Boxing Day, Burnley two days later, and then Arsenal on New Year's Day. Um, and I think if they get out of that with any less than, I'd say, six points, I think Solskjaer has probably got to go, surely. I mean, like you say, I don't know what the line is, because, I mean, if I were the United board, he would have been gone already. Yeah. Um, so, but I guess it's these results against against the the bigger sides that are that's keeping him afloat, really. I mean, because it's hard to argue with a 2-1 win at Spurs, or a 2-1 win at home to Spurs and a 2-1 win at City. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really strange one for United. This this week was just, like, threw up so many strange results and really, like, mixed things up in the league. So, moving on to another result that mixed things up in the league. Uh, Spurs getting another away win, which is just unheard of. Um, yeah, against Wolves at Molyneux, a 2-1 win. We saw a 91st-minute winner from none other than Super Jan Vertonghen, uh, which is, is lovely to see, of course. Um, Spurs really got, I mean, played off the park in term, in an attacking sense in this game. Um, I mentioned earlier that we're starting to see Mourinho's defensive nous, and this is one of the reasons, because Spurs defended brilliantly in this game, I thought. The one the goal that Wolves scored... Um, was Adama Traore just absolutely thronking one in? <laughs> really, not much. Not much we could have done about that. Um, but yeah, I yeah. Mean, there was a period that they were really pressing, and y'all, y'all continued to hold your shape. And 
not not let them break you down. Like they had some really good moves, just didn't lead into to anything in the end. Yeah, and I mean, I I know that this is worth pointing out, but Moutinho and Neves are world class players. Um, yeah. Ruben Neves, like obviously much is made about him because he scores like insane goals all the time and only bangers. Yeah, literally. I don't think he's ever scored a goal in his career that was Inside not the an box. absolute banger. Um, but like you don't ever realize it until you actually watch him closely. But the man absolutely runs the show in the midfield, um, and he is. I mean, I I honestly think he he is world class. Obviously, not too many players get that that. So, like rate that title, I guess, but I th- I genuinely think he is world class, and um, yeah, it showed. I think Spurs really just capitalized on their chances, and Wolves didn't, which is the bottom line, I suppose. Because there were several, I think, that Wolves will be will feel they should have scored. There's one particularly from Jimenez where he opened up and hit it with with the outside of the foot, and it just swerved wide at the last second. That was such a good move, too. It was, yeah. And Gazaniga making uh, several good saves as well, um, keeping us in the game. There's one in particular just before Vertonghen scored that came from a Wolves free kick. It was a header from Saiz from about three yards, and Gazaniga got down with a reflex save uh, to, to keep it out and to keep it at 1-1. So he gave us a chance, and Vertonghen took it, thankfully. This game, interestingly, was the first game we've seen where Mourinho deviated, well, aside from the Bayern game in the Champions League, which was sort of experimental and didn't matter. Um, where Mourinho deviated from the the four two three one with the wonky defense, um, in this one it was almost more of a four three three. And cause, because Son and Lucas were high all the time, they were high and wide for the the entirety of this game, which is something that we usually don't see. Obviously, Lucas on the right usually cuts inside uh, when Aurier is up uh, further afield, but Aurier was tracking back a lot during this game, and so the wingers were up high and wide, and then the midfield combination. Um, Delhi was not nearly as high in this game, and he was not nearly as effective because of it. So I think that goes to show. And I don't know if that was a product of Wolves just being on top of us or what, but yeah. Um, yeah, Ethan, did you have any thoughts on this game, on Wolves in particular? or? Um, I don't think we give a lot enough credit to Adama Traore, because he's been like, I mean, his past couple seasons he's been alright, but like this season, he's been like really it's good. Definitely having a little bit of a breakout season. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I forget my, that he's uh, only twenty three. I know he. Sometimes you're like you think he's like one of those old wingers. He's just so big. He is yeah. an <laughs> absolute strong man. Unit. Um, and he does actually but, uh, have Premier League experience with uh, Middlesbrough before as well. So yeah, um, my intellectual brain. Transferred him into my uh, FPL team, but I I didn't start him. <laughs> oh, really? oh, unfortunately, but oh well. Now I know he's capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, actually, he has Premier League experience with Villa as well. Um, in really? the fifteen sixteen season, yeah, he he was relegated with Villa, and then he moved to Middlesbrough when they were promoted, and then he was relegated with Burrow, and now <laughs> he's with Wolves. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and now, yeah, I guess let's All move right. on. Well, speaking of FPL, Kevin O'Brien. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Arsenal playing Man City at home, losing 3-0. Kevin De Bruyne having a field day. Uh, 
to be honest, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like, like I know I saw a bunch of Arsenal fans very upset about this result. Like, very mad at Freddie in particular. But like, I mean, obviously, I I honestly just think our defense is uncoachable. Like the defense we fielded anyway. Some some of those players, not all of them, but which was who? Who was on the pitch for this again? So. Uh, Chambers played, which I don't think it was him. Uh, Matlin Niles, who isn't a defender. Socrates, who is just bad. And Kalasinac started and picked up an injury. And Bukayo Saka came on at left back and played better than him. <laughs> wow. Wait, seriously? Uh, he played left back? Yeah. Wow. He did. Well, because he, I mean, he has uh, played left wing back before. Oh, I see. But. We just don't have any. We don't have any. We no longer have any fullbacks that are fit. I yeah, I see. Um, but yeah, this basically was just a story of Arsenal have defensive trouble, and Man City are Man City, and there was no way they weren't going to exploit those. And uh, yeah, but I as a, like I was saying, like, like I I really don't think this was anything on Freddie's part. Like, there's only so much you can do. And also, he's only interim, and they are continuing to not let him bring in his own staff. Like, Per Mertesacker has two jobs at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is really just the defense. There were, particularly at the beginning of the second half, we looked decent attacking-wise, but we just couldn't uh, finish anything off. But there were a couple chances in there. Yeah. I mean, City really just De- like Ethan mentioned earlier. De Bruyne is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, and I, I think, like we mentioned, I don't think Arsenal realistically were hoping to get anything out of this. Um, yeah, other it's than, just a little unfortunate since Chelsea did lose and the gap would have been cut to four points. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what is it? It's seven now, right? Or yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Chelsea will lose next weekend and you'll have another chance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess let's move on now. Oh, well, I'll talk about, oh, just real kidding. quick, I'll talk about the manager stuff. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so one thing I, this game, I think this game did do something, which was speed up the process in finding a manager because, I mean, uh, Freddie came out and told the board, he said, you, you need to either find a manager quick or let me get my own uh, my own, my own team going because like I can't work with this, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the board listened because there's been a ton of rumors floating around. Arteta has come out and spoken about how he has been approached by Arsenal. He's had a couple meetings with Josh Kroenke already, um, so it is looking like it's going to be Arteta. He's already had a couple meetings. He's having a third one soon. Uh, Pep spoke about it. Pep said like Arteta. He, he said something along the lines of. We will be allowing Arteta to leave, and he's been very transparent and has told me about the meetings and stuff. Like I already know about all this, but yeah, it is looking like it's going to be Arteta, and um, it's very exciting to me. He's been my pick since last season. Um, mm-hmm. Let me pull up a quote from him. It was from a while ago, but I saw this on Twitter and I saved it for the podcast. Um. He said this in um, it was in 2014, so it was a while ago. But he was asked about like his philosophy on as a manager, 
And so he said, uh, I'll have everyone... I'll have everyone 120% committed. That's the first thing. If not, you don't play for me, which I think that's huge because obviously people always talk about a bunch of our players being lazy in particular Ozil, um, even a bombing at times. Like the forwards don't do a whole lot of tracking back. So I think that's going to change. Um, he said, when it's time to work, it's time to work. When it's time to have fun, then I'm the first to do it. Um, I want the football to be expressive, entertaining, and he cannot have a concept of football where everything is based on the opposition, which is also huge because we have just, especially under Emory, we look like we're always reacting. We are never dictating play. And that's something that didn't always used to happen. We used to take these uh, like 5-0 results at home with Wenger for granted, but like that's what he's talking about is really controlling what's going on. So I, I really think, I mean, who knows? He might not... Have he might truly not have enough experience, but I think mm-hmm. he, at least philosophy wise, and he knows the club, he loves the club. I think he's the perfect choice, in my opinion, for for our next manager. So, and I think they're also going to let him uh, spend on defenders in January, hopefully. Yeah, you would you would hope so. I think um, that is definitely the area that needs to be improved on most. So, yeah, I think. Arteta also is my pick for the record. I mean, if, if I were if I were an Arsenal fan, I would definitely be crying out for for Arteta to come in. So, and mm. I think that's one thing that Arsenal lost is their well, like you mentioned, it's their identity, like their footballing identity. Um, but yeah, so like you had under Wenger, and hopefully Arteta will attempt to bring back. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So um, moving on, we had the M twenty three derby or. We don't like to call it that, but that's just what the pundits call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Palace versus Brighton ended up in a draw, even though I agree that Brighton should have wholeheartedly won this game because we looked dire, not Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but um, uh, Hodgson did do something well. He changed up the lineup, which is something we were crying out for because of the past couple of matches. We had been hoping for a change in lineup because it had been the same. But it also hadn't helped because we've had so many injuries so far. And um, we don't have any full back, fit fullbacks right now. Same. So we've been playing Rita Wald and, and left back and Kelly at right back. And um, Rita Wald had to come off yesterday. And we had to play MacArthur at left back. So, I mean, he put in a shift, but it was just not what he does. But, um... The uh, first goal came through Mape, and it was a dumb goal because it kind of pinballed through the box and let, just left him to... All he had to do was put it in the net, kind of like the De Bruyne goal, except not that far out. Um, yeah, and they kind of just had possession the majority of the game, and we had to sit. I had to w- sit there and watch them sit back the whole time, or pa- watch Palace sit back. And we got lucky to score a goal through Zaw. It was a nice goal against the run of play. But um, as soon as this this was reassuring, because as soon as Meyer came on, we immediately looked better. So hopefully, he'll play against Newcastle. I don't really. I feel like I've asked this before, but like, has he been injured or something? Because I don't understand why he hasn't already been playing. Well, I don't know. I I guess we like to play defensively, and he's kind of more attacking minded. But which doesn't make sense because he should be 
if we're trying to score or we're losing. He's a, he's a cam, right? Well, he kind of does he both. He also plays in the wing. Um, he we had him play on the wing because we had injuries, but he's he's kind of a cam. And then he lately he's been trying to be better at CDM, but I think he's better attacking than he is. Oh defense. yeah, for sure. I just think when he's at cam, it allows, I mean, all of your forwards, but also Zaha, to yeah, he play better because Zaha doesn't have to work as hard. You know, like Zaha yeah, he, does everything attacking wise right now. Yeah, Meyer definitely works well with Benteke and Zaha, but um, yeah, I mean, we just have a bunch of injuries, and so it's kind of we're just makeshifting a team right now. Uh, Hodgson definitely wants to spend in January if the Americans will let him. Um, yeah, Meyer looked really well, though, and I hope we see a lot more of him. But, Zaha's um, goal was yeah, cracking, by the way. That was a good goal, yeah. I I kind of cussed a little bit because I was mad that we defended the whole game <laughs> and then that to happen. But at the, around around the time he scored before that, I was definitely getting that sinking feeling. And... Um, but for the last 20 minutes, we were definitely looking good. We definitely tried for another. Uh, but Tech actually looked good. Um, hopefully he'll get on the score sheet soon. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say. What What do you think oh, is yeah. Palace's... Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. What do you think is Palace's, like, one biggest problem this season? I mean, injuries, I guess, or, or is there something bigger? That, and we rely too much on Zaha. We've been doing that for so long. Because, like, he, all what teams really have to do when they think of how to like knock us down is they, they just have to put it so many people on Zaha or just have one guy focus on Zaha. Like Montoya was his sole purpose of the game was to track Zaha the whole time. And um, when he couldn't do that, they would add an extra player onto him, but um, he's dealt with it pretty well. And um, I mean, I has been good so far, but like, I think we just need more gold minded threat. Like Batshuayi was last season. Because, like, I use kind of more of a runner. Um, and he played on the right wing with Benteke. And Benteke actually looked decent. And so I just, I mean, I really don't know. Maybe just more of an attacking midfielder. That's why I think we should start Myers. Because we, we have Kuyate, um, Milivojevic, and MacArthur playing. And um, Kuyate and MacArthur kind of switch back playing attacking midfielder, even though they're both kind of CDMs. Mm-hmm. So I just think I think we need that cam. I'm being honest. I, I just think we're we're like we're now seeing an effect like with teams of the caliber of like Brighton and Palace and uh, I mean Brighton and Palace, but like other teams like uh, like Burnley this season. Like when teams set up to defend and then just take pressure, it, they're basically inviting a loss. Like I, I don't know. Like we're seeing seeing especially with Brighton right now. Like just this, just changing the mindset to an attacking one just changes what like what they can do. Like they just look so much better and so much more threatening. And uh, picked up a win against Tottenham and against us. And wait, did they they beat us? Right? Yeah. Yes. And they definitely beat us. So. <laughs> yeah. So like picking up these big big results here and there, and I don't know, just changing the mindset from defensive to attacking is just makes a makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we play we play smash and grab football, so we sit back and defend the whole time. But it's kind of like it's kind of the, I feel bad for the defenders because they work so hard, and like they do a damn good job. But like, I feel like some days it's just gonna like fall apart because it's it's too much to worry about for them. 
Because yeah, we're defending it's, the it's the sort of you can't defend the entire game. It's kind of like the opposite of Chelsea right now. Like how I was saying their their attack wasn't sustainable. Like y'all's defense isn't sustainable in the same fashion. Like there's got to be a balance. Yeah, like it's just a, it's weird because like we defense so well and like I, literally at the first half I felt like we were playing for a nil-nil draw. But like then they score and you're like what to do now? We've been defending the whole game. Can't just start attacking. I mean, you think we could, but we can't because we're playing so many like defensive players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I definitely want Meyer to start. He's definitely an attack-minded player. He he loves to get it to those players like Zaha and Mateke, um, and Ayu. And um, I hope Kamarasa start or gets a game or so because he's kind of I feel bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good player. Yeah, I was impressed by him at Cardiff last season. Yeah, so. so. Yeah, hopefully he'll get a run of games. Maybe maybe Roy's waiting for the FA Cup to start to start playing him. So I was gonna ask actually, do, are you still on board with um, with the, the the whole Roy Hodgson train? I mean, do you think he's still the right man for the job? Um, there's definitely things that irks me about him. Like he waits to make substitutions a lot. A lot of managers managers have been doing that recently, but. He's been doing. He likes to wait till the eighty-fifth minute. But um, I'm been pretty happy with him so far. He he's definitely done well with what he's been given. Cause like he hasn't been given a huge war chest. He's spent about like twenty-five million over the last three seasons, mm-hmm. and that's not even on like just one player. That's just accumulated over time. So I think he's his tactics are. He's just like his tactics are really good, and he's been in like he's been a manager for so long that it's like. I I don't know I I like it, and like I I'm fine with him staying. I don't really see why he should be fired. He gets mm-hmm. results, especially against Bournemouth when we were down to ten. So hopefully we could just give him like a chance to sign players like with an actual war chest in winter. Okay, fair enough. All right, so moving on to some brief mentions real quick. So uh, Burnley coming away with a 1-0 win against Newcastle. Um, Sheffield picking up a 2-0 win against Aston Villa. And um, West Ham getting a win against Southampton 1-0 in that game. Yeah, so lots of, um, of bottom-of-the-table clashes there and some big wins for some teams. Um, and Sheffield United are continuing their good run as well. So Yeah. Highlight of the week. Hey. So um, this week, I feel like it was kind of hard to pick because like there wasn't anything really stand out. But um, and then there was like some that I was like, it's like swazzy, but it's not like like too hype. Like Salah's, uh, I think yeah, it was a second goal, that little flick in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um. I really, if I could, I would just give it to De Bruyne, just like I was overall performance, but I have to pick something specific. And I'm going to give it to his second goal, because it, just running and then getting a good shot off. He's He's been good about, like, when he shoots, like, put, it's more about, like, putting it in, like, a certain area. It's not, like, how, like, how hard he hits it, I guess. Well, maybe, but I think he's more of a, he's he picks out where he wants to sh- or shoot, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was a great performance from him. 
all around and uh, obviously a great finish for the second goal. So, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the quiz, which this week is a versus quiz. We're going to pit um, Reese and Ethan against each other here, and we've got a few rules to look at. So, here is the premise. You both support clubs who recently, um, as in since we've started watching, have been involved in an FA Cup final. Okay. Um, obviously... Bringing back Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Reese, obviously Arsenal ran out winners against Chelsea in 2017, and United beat Palace, unfortunately, in 2016. So, I'm going to ask you to name the starting 11s that your club fielded for those games. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you anything in the way of hints, so you're going to have to do as well as you can. And the kicker is, you get three strikes. Whoa. So, and substitutes count as strikes. So you have to name the starting 11 as it appeared. Um, so, we're going to start with Reese um, because it was more recent. So we'll give Ethan yeah. the benefit okay. of the doubt because um, it was not as recent. Obviously, only a one year difference in the making. But, Reese, um, I will give you the formation if you'd like it. Uh, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll take it. Was, I think it was a 4-3-3, though. So, it was actually a, like a wonky 3-4-3. Um, it was a 3-4-3. It was a 3-4-3. It could have been a 4-3-3. It could have been a 4-3-3, uh, but... Everything I've seen has listed this as a back five with wingbacks, or a back three with wingbacks, but the left wingback is not a wingback by trade. Okay. So, you could just call it a 4-3-3 for simplicity's sake. <laughs> so, obviously think... Oh, oh, I know. Okay, I know what you're saying. Now. So, think very carefully. Obviously, you don't yes. want to have any strikes right off so, the bat. Goalie, Petr Cech. That is strike one. <laughs> Ooh, he did what? Petr Cech did not start the FA Cup final. He didn't. He was on the bench. Well, keep in mind this is kind of the thing that teams do sometimes is they have a cup goalie. And it was then, still the final. Yeah. So it was Ospina. It was Ospina. Yes. Wow. Okay, so that's, well, that's one. Awkward. Okay, uh, Murdersacker played in this game. Yes, he did. I remember we had injuries and he had to step in. For literally the first time in the whole season. Oh, well. Um, Alexis Sanchez. Yes. He was playing left wing back. No, he was not. Oh. He was playing conventional left wing. Never mind. Um, Bellerin. Yes. Oh, God, I can't remember if Aaron Ramsey started or not or if he was a super sub. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. I'm going to start writing down all the ones I know. Giroud started, right? Giroud did not start. 
I yeah. don't know if I should give that to you as a strike or not. <laughs> that was a guess. You okay, okay. Yeah. Strike two. So Giroud didn't start. I'll give you one additional hint as well. Um, you can ask for the nationality of a position. One nationality of one position. Okay. And Ethan, you'll, you'll be afforded the same opportunity, obviously. All right. Um, oh my gosh. This is so nerve-wracking now. <laughs> I'm trying to think striker. Lucky so it wasn't like Giroud. You can I'm ask for the pretty. nationality. Okay, yeah. Nationality of striker. English. Danny. Yes, Danny Welbeck. Okay, I couldn't remember if him it was him or Lacazette. Uh, Lacazette had not been signed at this stage. He it's came 17. in the, the summer after this. 17. Oh, it's a good thing I asked then. Yeah, this is 16-17, which obviously he was signed in the summer of 2017. So. Yeah. Um. Okay. Midfield, midfield. Ooh. Oh, this is very interesting. <laughs> this isn't a guess. I'm just thinking, but I feel like Coughlin probably, probably paid, probably played. Um. Oh gosh, I want to say Ramsey, but I feel like he was a sub. I'm gonna press you for time here a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna to go to a different position. Okay. Fair Did. Enough. Theo Walcott start. Unfortunately, that is strike three. Ugh. And Theo Walcott did not start. He was on the bench. <laughs> Coughlin was also on the bench. Um, Giroud was also on the bench. So you named a lot of the right people, um, just not at the right time. And Coughlin did come on, for the record. Um, I think Walcott Giroud did, did too, not. Giroud got the assist for the yes, winner. Yes, Giroud did come on. Uh, so here's the team. It's this this three four three weird thing. So obviously we've got Oscar. Did Gibbs play? Gibbs did not play. Gibbs was not here at this point. I think he was. Oh, uh, was Maitland Niles playing left wing back? Nope. <laughs> I don't even know. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain was playing left wing back in this game. What the heck? Yeah. Um. So Ospina in goal. Then we've got a, a back three, sort of, of holding, which was surprising. Um. Murdersacker and Monreal. And then, obviously, you named Bellerin. The midfield, you should have said Ramsey because he did start. Um, Dang it. Ramsey and then Xhaka started this game, too. Um, I thought Ramsey was a sub. And then uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, like I mentioned. And then the front three, you got Sanchez and Welbeck. The one you didn't get was Ozil. Oh. So... Okay, that brings your score to one, two, three, four, five. That brings your score to five. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> Ethan, so you, I'm going to say you must have six to win because I think, um, since you had time to think about it, I think we'll give the draw to Reese, if that's fair um, to you. So. Oh, well, I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to Okay, lie. we've got... We've got some confidence here. So there's there's two that I'm maybe concerned about, but I think I've got the premise. Okay, let me pull up the substitutes just so I can tell you who was on the bench. Okay, 
Well, I could definitely tell you who's a substitute. Yeah, so. I know you could. <laughs> um, so, well, the re- I think I, I'm feeling confident is because a lot of our good players didn't come in until the 17. And, like, because, like, Tompkins and Sacco and all them, they came in the 16-17. So I had to think about, like, the pairings with the center backs. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah. We sold before then, so... Um, Hennessy is in goal. Hennessy is in goal. Uh, Ward right back. Yes. Um, do you, do you care what position order I go oh, in? Oh, no, I don't care. Okay, because I'm, I'm concerned about the other center back, because Dan definitely started this game. Dan did start. You're halfway to a win already. Okay, and then Balassi. Balassi started, yes. Zaha. Zaha, he needs one more for the win. Yedinak. Yedinak. He's done it with no strikes. Um, okay. Do you, yeah, go ahead and keep going as well. We'll see how far you get. Okay. Um, okay, this was the first season of Kabai, so he definitely started. He did start, yes. Um, Wickham was our striker. Wickham was the striker, yes. Because that was before Benteke, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure we didn't want to start Fraser Campbell. <laughs> yeah, although um, well, he wasn't even on the bench. Uh, Dwight. Oh, Adebayor was your uh, substitute striker. Oh yeah. Oh blimey. Mental. Blimey indeed. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> blimey. Um. Let's see. So I got Dan. So you've got three more. You're missing the left back, the center back, and a central midfielder. Uh, was it MacArthur? Yes, it was MacArthur. Is okay. he going for the clean sweep? I hope so. Um, okay, so I have two more. Okay, because it's, e- it's either Kelly or Delaney that played center back. But then again, this was when Kelly was not a center back. He was a right back. Is it Delaney? It is Delaney. Okay. i got to think of who played left back. I I really don't know who our left backs He's were. He's ten for eleven. Uh, I can't. I I I do not know who was before Van Anholt, or if I do, I forgot already. Oh, can I have the nationality? Oh, you can have the nationality. Um, I don't even know what flag that is. I'll be honest. Oh, uh, he is Senegalese. Papa Suare. It's Papa Suare. He's gone 11 for 11 with no strikes. Um, obviously, I guess uh, maybe a little bit of an unfair advantage in, in the fact that um, this game was a little bit more monumental for Palace than it would have been for Arsenal. That's I was literally about to say that because like that we have also like, like changed almost our entire starting 11. Yeah, yeah, that's also true. And Arsene Wenger played the weirdest. Why would Ospina play? I mean, yeah, I understand I why he would, but why would he? Yeah, and I, why was Oxlade left wing back? <laughs> I don't know. It was a strange, yeah. strange one. Yeah, I, I feel like that is unfair some a little bit because that was like one of the most memorable things that I remember in my time. Cause yeah, it was it was controversial because Punchin didn't start. We thought he would, he would, but he came off and scored. So that goal is in our intro as well. Yeah, that is one of the most iconic Punch goals. In. Yeah. No offside. Goal for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Yeah, it's so iconic because the our side it was on our side of the Wembley Stadium. 
Oh yeah, um, so everyone was going and there was absolutely there was tits off. <laughs> <laughs> and some were crying, so it was a very emotional day to see that turd Lingard put it in. For, I was gonna for say the winner. I was gonna say, do you remember who scored the winner? Yes. <laughs> it was the little shit muncher. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um Big Okay. Poopy. Well well done to both of you. Obviously Reese I think we'll feel a little bit hard done by probably because of such there was such a strange team. You did well to be fair to get Murdersacker. Um I, that's yeah. like one of the few that I will never forget because he literally didn't play a single game that whole season. And then because of injuries, he had to play. And then I think he captained as well. He and he also captain, put, yeah. he put in a 10 out of 10 that game. Like he didn't, he was amazing. Um, fun fact, by the way, two players on the Arsenal bench that I forgot to mention, uh, Mohamed Elneny and Lucas Perez. <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand why we didn't play Perez more because he, he was yeah. Where is Elneny, by the way? Elneny's on loan at Galish. Oh. Uh, it is, yeah, it's Besiktas. Somebody's at Galatasaray, I think. Oh, is there someone at Galatasaray, I think? Let's go look. Maybe yeah. not for Arsenal, but I, I also just get people confused. Yeah, no, All nobody from Arsenal confused. is at Galatasaray, but um, I mean, yeah. The only two first-team players that are out on loan are Elneny and Mkhitaryan. And then, well, I guess Saliba too, but I forgot Saliba was a person. I cannot forget. <laughs> well, I he forgot. He will save us. We have a, a Loney that the we French Van Dyke. Clark. I forgot Clark was a human being. Yeah, he's a Spurs player. <laughs> um, okay, well, hats off to you both, gentlemen. An admirable what performance. Do I, what do I win? Um, a kiss from me. Yes. Alright. <laughs> um, so really there's no losers. Oh, <laughs> he just left. <laughs> I'm, I was coming over. <laughs> oh. I was about I thought you were leaving because you were afraid. I was offended. <laughs> no, I was I was coming over to your house, bro. <laughs> so really it's a it's a win win situation. Yeah. For yeah, both sides. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Um Okay. Let's move on and take a look at the Predictor League. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. So we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. And we're back. Okay, so in Predictor League, at the moment, Ethan is still at the top with 65 Barely. points. Um, this week, we all kind of had a rough week because it was, it was a really weird week for fixtures. So mm -hmm. uh, Then Reese and I are still tied for second with 62 points. Um, and Josh is very close behind now. Um, with 61. So, yeah. I think we've said it before, but it is safe to say no one is out of contention yet. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the scoring method. Is it like Premier League? If you get a prediction right, it's three, then one, then zero? Yeah, so if you get a... Wait, you, you're just now asking this? <laughs> well, no, I, I figured... Well, I already forgot, actually. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's... it's yeah, I guess it's good for a reminder for everyone. If... um. If you get a perfect result, so you correctly predict the score line, like so if, if there's a 1-0 win and you correctly predict a 1-0 win, you get three points. Um, if you predict that the right team won or that it was a draw, then you get one point. And if you predict, well, if your prediction's just wrong, then you get zero points. 
Gotcha. Okay, so I, I I knew that was what it was. I was just making sure. So I think this past week, I think uh, Ethan was the only person with a per, with a three point prediction, which was no no Josh had one. He predicted he? one one predicted one one Palace. Oh right 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 yeah. So Josh got one one Palace, and then Ethan got three nil City as well. Uh, so three points for each of them there. So yeah, um, things are hotting up. As it stands, we may have another bonus round coming up, or we may not. Uh, it depends Should. on whether or not I think of a good bonus round, or anyone thinks the of ne- a good bonus the round. The next sacked manager. <laughs> no, we can't do that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> the mer- the merry-go-round is over. Uh, so, okay, I guess. Let's move on to some previews, and then we can wrap up the show. Alrighty. So starting with... Um, a fixture that could possibly see two new managers by this point. Um, Everton and Arsenal. Uh, obviously, Ancelotti very linked with Everton right now and Arteta with us. But uh, yeah, to be honest, I mean, both of the teams have been bad. Both of the teams, that's pretty much it. Both of the teams have been bad. But Everton did pick up the point against Man U on the weekend. And we're just coming off of that loss. And we're away. <coughs> But you never know, because we did put it in a good performance when we decided to turn on against West Ham away. Mm-hmm. And you could see that. Be, I mean, that wasn't going to happen against Man City because it's Man City. But against a team like Everton, who are also struggling, we could play better. But yeah, I, I think I predicted a win, but mainly just from optimism. Like, I, I don't actually know if I believe we're going to win or not. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think if Arteta is in at Arsenal, I think Arsenal will win. If he's not, I think Everton will win. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it was hard to predict this one because, you know, Everton, they're looking at Ancelotti and Arsenal looking at Arteta. Uh-huh. And usually when managers come in, they their first result is pretty big. I mean, unlike uh, Watford, but um, not just because of Dross, but, like, Usual teams have like good results after acquiring new managers. So, if they both acquired a manager, I would say it was like a draw. But yeah, it's whoever like appoints a new manager at that time, I think we'll come away with the victory. So, um, the next fixture is uh, Newcastle versus Crystal Palace, and is at uh, Saint Mary or not Saint Mary's? Um, you get it's the Newcastle Stadium. Saint James. Saint James. Yeah, I knew it was a saint. Yeah. Could have been St. Nicholas, you know? Yeah, but, Christmas time. Yeah. Um, I'm confident about this game a little bit because Newcastle, they didn't look too well last game. Um, and we looked good at the end, and I just hope we can keep that same lineup we had towards the end. If then, I feel like we could win comfortably. If not, I feel like we will struggle a bit, but I think we, I don't think we'll lose. Newcastle's they have, a weird team, I feel like. I feel like they, their results are so unpredictable. Yeah, because Shelby, Shelby's been on a hot run least, recently, but he, I guess he didn't play that well last game. And uh, St. Uh, Maximin is injured, and he's like one of their main danger men. <clears throat> so that's, those are things to take account for. Yeah, I think y'all can come, with, come away with the win here. I think y'all are going to... Uh, I mean, that was... Like you said, y'all probably deserved to lose that game. So coming away with the point was huge. 
mm-hmm. uh, especially like uh, momentum wise. Like y'all are gonna take that, and I think y'all are gonna take that into this game and and crack on. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next preview, it is City versus Leicester. Now, uh, this is one we've kind of kept our eyes on for a while, and I think most people have because um, Leicester obviously very high in the table right now. City, at the start of the season, were supposed to contend uh, for the title, but obviously fallen off. But uh, yeah, I think Leicester have kind of entered a rough, a rough little period. Um, City are just still City and are very good. Um, and they're home in this one, but I don't think it'll be easy for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, both of these teams can put together a string of good results. Um, I don't know about Leicester in this one, I think. Obviously, they slipped up against Norwich, and I just don't think they quite have the quality up to City standard, and I think City will come away with a win in this one uh, for me. Yeah, um, Leicester's defense has been pretty solid, but I feel like like Johnny Evans will have trouble dealing with the attack and Sonic maybe, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely think City will come away with the victory. Yeah, but Johnny Evans. I mean, Lester. he's just kind of. I mean, he's kind of slow. Soyinku yeah. is pretty fast, and so he's yeah. kind of had him covered this season. But Soyinku is still relatively inexperienced i think yeah. right like mm-hmm, he basically yeah. just came into this luster side mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean there's there to look at there's that to look at so yeah, yeah. i think i think man city are gonna win but it's not gonna be like i don't think they'll keep a clean sheet or anything like i think Leicester can get on the score sheet and stuff but yeah so next game is uh watford versus man united and um you know like gage said earlier in the podcast watford if they were playing any other team, they could have played for a point. And um, they definitely can with how Man United have been playing recently. Because um, Man United are still dangerous with uh, Rashford and Martial at times. But, um, yeah, Watford, they're looking to get – starting to get points. They want to get points on the board. And this is kind of a – looking at this match like last season or a couple seasons ago, you would definitely think Man United would come away with the points. But Solskjaer and his man – United team have just been up and down recently, so it's definitely. I think it's definitely a winnable game, but I still think Man United will come out. But um, I wouldn't count out Watford. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like, I, I, I yeah, Watford could. I'm, anything can happen. It's the Premier League, and also Man United just have a bad record against the bottom side teams mm-hmm. um, this season. But I think it would be. I don't know. I I think even though they've been kind of bad against these bottom side teams. I still think it'd be a little harsh to say that they're going to lose this one. I think that they have had some performances that weren't, some, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think they can come away with it in this one. But uh, but yeah, like Ethan was saying, it could it could uh, be a little tougher than at first glance. Yeah, I think Nigel Pearson will be a little bit aggrieved because his first two games in charge of Watford will be Liverpool and Man United, which are not easy games by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, crucially, Watford are not a top six side, which means they have a chance of beating United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I largely would just echo the same sentiments as, as everybody else has said. I think don't count Watford out, but United will surely be looking to win. Um, and on to 
the big game of the weekend and the last game of the weekend uh, because Liverpool obviously aren't playing this weekend because they're in Qatar. And this one is Spurs versus Chelsea at White Hart Lane. Um, oh, man, this is a huge game. So, obviously, if Spurs win, um, they're in the top four on goal difference. And if Chelsea wins, Spurs are six points adrift from the top four and will likely fall back down to sixth or seventh, depending on, you know, how their results, obviously. And, I mean, this is just a huge game. It's a six-pointer for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah, and the, Mourinho probably will be looking to get one over on the club that sacked him twice. And Chelsea, obviously, have struggled to break down some defensive teams, and I think Spurs are sort of becoming that now. So I'm hoping, you know, fingers crossed, that Spurs will come away with this one. Um, but, obviously, Chelsea have looked dangerous this season. Form goes out the window because, obviously, Chelsea um, consider us to be their main rivals, um, as do many teams in the Premier League, all three. Um, yeah, Chelsea consider us to be their main rivals, and, and they'll be up for it for sure, so... Yeah. yeah, I think that uh, obviously their attack has kind of fallen off a little bit in the past few games, but I think just the, the, the importance and the size of this game, their attack is going to be hungry for goals. I think y'all are going to come away with it, but I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. It's going to be a great game to watch. Definitely. Um, both of these teams have kind of had up and down seasons so far, like Spurs when they were kind of losing some games that should have been win like it should have been winning and Chelsea have recently been not looking too well. Um so I mean it'll be an interesting game for sure because Spurs are kind of on the up and Chelsea they're looking to turn around their bad fortune. So I think it'll be a good game. I like reset I'll be I think Spurs will take away but you know it's don't definitely don't count out this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah this is one fixture that has not failed to entertain uh, in the past, well, I, since I've been watching, I think Kieran Trippier. This, yeah, I guess the last, yeah, the last time this was played, Kieran Trippier passed the ball into his own net. Um, <laughs> other, other notable results include the uh, the five three Boxing Day game a few seasons in Pochettino's first season, and the Battle of the Bridge, which lost us the title in 2016. So, yeah. <laughs> Lots of good memories with Chelsea. I, I, I mentioned this to Reese before, but like in my time as a Spurs fan, obviously I'm ingrained to hate Arsenal. Um, but I actually have more cause to hate Chelsea than I do to hate Arsenal. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. I kind of feel you because like I'm like Palace fans are supposed to hate Brighton, and I do hate Brighton a lot. But like I feel more resentment towards Watford than I do Brighton. Well, somewhat. Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, we are always taught to hate Spurs, but for a while, like, there was such a dominance with Arsenal that it wasn't didn't matter. But like, basically, when since I have started watching, it has been the decline of Arsenal, which is really unfortunate. But that's also like, since I have started watching, has basically been. I think I've only experienced one season that I've watched where Arsenal finished above Tottenham. So I definitely. Yeah, that's and arguably like, they shouldn't even have finished above us that season. Yeah, y'all just we blew it. Got poopied on by Newcastle mm -hmm. and West Brom and Chelsea. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously Arsenal will forever be the team that I hate most. Um, but Chelsea are are right up there in and amongst it. And 
Um, West Ham are bugs, and we squash them as so. So, yeah. <laughs> I have um, a, I have an increasing increasing tolerance to Chelsea now that they have gotten rid of Eden Hazard and brought in Christian Pulisic. Uh, see, I have more reason to dislike them because of my um, putrid feelings towards the U.S. national team <laughs> and the U.S. Federation and everything U.S. soccer stands for. Um, so yeah, that's even more of a reason for me to dislike Chelsea and dislike the U S national team. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. yeah, um, I guess I'm an expatriate in that way, but whatever. <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw your tea in the freaking lake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I guess that is us complete as it were. We thank you for tuning in, as always. We thank Ethan and Reese for joining us this afternoon. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Absolutely. Reese, do you have anything to say? <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah. Um, Our next Merry podcast Christmas, is kind of, of like Christmas Eve. It's not recorded on Christmas Eve, but it'll be like... Like the next podcast after that will have been after Christmas. Yeah, I don't. I guess we need to like sit down and talk about how we're going to do the festive fixtures because there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, obviously, us not being at college right now, we probably have, well, I'd say more time, but then it's also the holidays. So, who knows? Yeah. Um, we could possibly do like little shorter episodes. Yeah, we like could. We could. Week stuff, but. Yeah. So keep an eye out for all the things. We'll keep you posted. And, um, well, obviously, when an episode comes out, there will be an episode. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> okay, I think that is all. So that will be goodbye from us.